Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Before I start this morning, I want to show a quote from one of my favorite pastors, Rich Velotis, who pastors a church in Queens. And I thought we could start this morning just by reading this quote together. It's, one, it, it's a quote that I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially the last couple of weeks. And let's, let me read it for us. If Jesus spent eight hours a day, every day, for three years with his disciples, he would have spent over eight thousand hours with them. And after all that time, they still had major gaps. One hour a week will never change people. We need a life that abides in him with support of others. Let me tell you one one of the reasons I've been thinking about that quote a lot is as a pastor, you know, it's part of my job is to put together a Sunday worship gathering for for our church community. And and that Sunday worship gathering is usually, you know, between an hour and an hour and a half. And I've been in occupational ministry now for almost 25 years. And so I've I've put a lot of effort and time into creating this this one hour, this 90-minute kind of gathering. And and one thing that I've reflected upon maybe my whole occupational ministry, but more so now as I'm older <laughs> and more so now kind of think after you know, what we went through with COVID, is, is what he's articulating here. Is that a one-hour church service is, is not enough for us to be disciples of Jesus. And so what does that mean for us? I, I think it means this. I think it's absolutely essential for people who identify as followers of Jesus, for people who are aspiring to, to follow the way of Jesus, it's absolutely essential that we learn how to develop spiritual strategies, how to develop spiritual rhythms, spiritual practices, that that will help us to become more aware of God's presence, more aware of his spirit at work in our lives, and more aware of his spirit at work in the world. And so um, I've really been thinking and praying a lot about how do we do this as a church? How, how do we make following Jesus more than just a, a one-hour-a-week time slot? Because <laughs> if that's where all of our discipling happens, we're, we're in trouble, right? The, the disciples followed Jesus for three and a half years, 8,000 hours, and yet they still had all these gaps. And it makes me think, wow, like this, this, this is a process that, that I have to commit myself to. And so one of, the, one of the tools, it's just a small tool, again, Ian mentioned it, is this Advent Reader. And we have these on the back table, the welcome table when you come in. And let me tell you what it is. It's just one scripture verse with one devotional thought planned out each day throughout the Advent season leading up to Christmas. And you might think, well, what, is, what good is reading one scripture verse and having one devotional thought or question? What, what is that going to do? Well, you'll be surprised what it's going to do. Because when you get in a rhythm, when you, when you develop a spiritual strategy or a spiritual rhythm or a spiritual practice of scripture reading, and you, do, you commit yourself to that each day, something starts to happen. Your, your, pers- your perspective starts to change a little bit, and it's geared more towards what God is saying than, than all the noise around you. And so I just want to encourage you to pick one of those up. 
We still have a few weeks of Advent left. They're on the table in the lobby. Also, you're going to find out there um, a new place is hiring, and they've got some, we've got some um, papers back there to show you how to get in touch with those folks if you're interested in, in some employment. They're doing some great work, um, great opportunity for some employment. Um, well, as Ian mentioned, today is the second week of Advent. And Advent, of course, for those of you who don't know, is, it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas. And it's a season where we celebrate the incarnation. We, we celebrate the wonder of the incarnation. When God put on flesh and he came to earth to, to live among us, to dwell among us. Uh, Eugene Peterson talks about the incarnation this way. He says, it's when God moved into the neighborhood. And I love that when God moved into the neighborhood. And so we've lit the second candle of our Advent wreath this morning to, to launch us into the second week of Advent. And today we're going to look at a scripture passage from the book of Genesis. And it's one that goes all the way back to our origins. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And it contains the very first promise of the Incarnation. It, can, it contains the very first promise of God putting on flesh, entering into the world in order to establish his kingdom and to redeem all of creation. And it's the very first reference in scripture to the birth of Jesus, which, of course, we celebrate on Christmas. So here's what we're going to do the rest of our time together today. Uh, we're going to start by looking at a painting, and we're going to have that put up on the screen in just a second here. A painting by a sister, Grace Remington, who is a nun in Dubuque, Iowa. And the name of this painting is called Mary Consoles Eve. And so let's put that up. And we're going to take a minute just to kind of reflect on this. And of course, on the right, you see Mary, the mother of Jesus. On the left, we see Eve. We're going to just take a moment to investigate this painting and then... I'm going to read this passage from Genesis. We'll read it together. And instead of having small group breakouts or us doing a, a group spiritual practice today, what we're going to do is I'm going to invite you all to preach this sermon with me. And I'll let you know when it's time for that. If you don't do that, this will be a 10-minute sermon. And so some of you are hoping for that. <laughs> Others of you um, will help out. And so let's read this passage together, and I'll have this up on the screen for us as well. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. Let's read. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced 
she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Verse 10. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you're cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Okay, so let's take a look at this painting together. We, let's look, go to the question slide, actually, the next slide. Okay, so let's do this together. So what, what strikes you about this painting? What emotions can you name? This is the part where you have to preach. So you have to speak extra loud because I don't have a mask. You have a mask. Forgiveness? Hmm. Shame. Sorrow, yeah. Anything else to strike you about that? Any kind of emotions? If she's carrying this in, um, how's she doing that? Wrapped around her leg, yeah. And the apple, yeah. While we're looking at Eve here, what, what, else, what else do you notice about Eve? Snake is wrapped around her leg. What else? Yeah, her hand is on Mary's stomach. It doesn't, doesn't it look like um, Mary's holding it there or pulled it there? Yeah, her eyes are downcast. What are they gazing on? Yeah. Anything else about Eve you notice? Steve, you mentioned that she was holding her sin, that apple. And, and notice where she's holding it. Right by her heart, right? She's still she's still carrying that around. Yep. Well, let's talk about Mary for a second. What do we notice about Mary in this picture? She's pregnant, yep. Compassion. Yeah, she's standing on the serpent. Her foot's on, on the head, right? Which we just read in Genesis three fifteen. Hmm, mirroring Eve's effect. Yeah, looking down. 
Where's, where's her gaze falling? <laughs> I'd almost say right, right on that apple, or maybe b- what's behind the apple, right? The, her heart. You notice anything else about Mary here? Hmm. She's clothed, and you see the, the blue shawl? A lot of times blue, the color blue, represents like open space, like sky and water. It represents like freedom. It represents, in some contexts, it represents confidence and faith. Yeah, Mary's feet are steadfast, and Eve's taking a step toward her. That's good. Yeah, she has a smile. Yeah. Yeah, the fruit is different, huh? All this fruit is different than the fruit she's holding. Why, why is that? Remember, um, she, 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 the serpent asked her, is it, you can't eat any fruit? She goes, oh, no, we can eat all the fruit, just, that, just the one that we can't. So the painting kind of shows that. I notice, I notice Mary's other hand. It looks like she's holding Eve's hand to baby Jesus, but her other hand is almost kind of like, lift up your head. It's going to be okay. Right? There's, this, all, there's this, this consoling that's happening. There, there's a, a verse in the Gospel of Luke called the Magnificat where Mary sings a song. I, I want to read that for us before we, we keep looking at this painting. This is, of course, Mary spends some time with Elizabeth, and um, she breaks out into this song, realizing that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, to Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones. He exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors. Hmm. Anything else you'd notice about the painting? Somebody said the fruit. Yeah, her cheeks are blushing for sure, just out of like embarrassment or shame or... You notice, you notice the arch. A lot of times in, in, in art, arches are, are representative of doorways, of something new, or something ending, right? And so they're standing underneath this arch, archway, this threshold. It's kind of representing, hey, there's something new. God's kingdom is 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 coming to earth. Um, Jesus is going to be the one to to restore to redeem, to reconcile all creation, to set the world to right again. There's this new beginning. 
What about the colors? The color behind them in the archway. It's very bright. It's like a yellowish, goldish. A lot of times the color gold is symbolic of divinity. And so there's this idea that God is in the background and, and he's worked all this out. This is not happenstance, right? That God is with them. One of the things that I, I, I think of when I look at this is, is God is present not only in sin and failure and disobedience, but also in faithfulness, right? That God's just there in all of it. Anything else stand out in the painting? The generations between Eve and Mary, like the distance of time and how much has happened from when that's from Eve's story ending to Mary's story beginning. Okay, let me ask this one last question here. How is this painting in the scripture passage we read good news? How is it good news for you? How is it good news for us? during this Advent season. While you're thinking about that um, and getting your thoughts together in that, let me share a few thoughts of my own on why it's good news for me. Uh, One of the reasons this passage of Scripture in this painting just kind of helps highlight somewhat of what we read in in that Scripture passage. One of the reasons it's good news for me is it reminds me that the worst thing is not the last thing in the kingdom of God. They hear you have Eve's story, which is just a tragic story, right? But it's not the last thing, that God comes and he promises redemption right from Genesis chapter 3. He jumps right in immediately, right after this tragic story, this, this falling, this disobedience and sin. God comes in right away. And what does he do? He promises redemption. Because God's a redeemer, right? He's always been a redeemer. He, he's committed to, to redeeming even the most broken and tragic parts of our story. It's just, it's just what he does. He, he, he doesn't give up on us, even when we give up on ourselves, even when we feel dejected like Eve here, and we're holding on to our sin, and we're wrapped up and by the evil one, and we just, we just, we, we, we think of our story as just, terribly broken and disobedient and full of sin, and yet God is a redeemer. He makes a way through Jesus. And really, like when I look at this picture and I see Eve, like think about all the sin. This was the sin that like spun creation into turmoil and chaos. Can you imagine the weight of that one? Like you guys, when, when you and I sin, we, we feel conviction, right, by the Holy Spirit. We, there, there's sometimes consequences that swirl around. But this was like, this was ultimate. And when I see this picture and I read that passage in Genesis 3, I, I, I sense that, that, that God communicates that no sin is too big to be forgiven through Jesus. That no circumstance is too challenging that it can't be redeemed. Man, that's good news, right? That's the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel. Another, another um, thought and reason I think that this is good news for me is it, it gives me an appreciation for what Jesus came to do. 
You know, at Advent season, where it's really about anticipating um, Jesus' coming. It's celebrating his first coming, and it's anticipating his second coming, when, when uh, all things are going to be redeemed and the world's going to be set to right again. Uh, but this uh, painting in this passage gives me an appreciation for what Jesus came to do because it prevents me from living in a false narrative that I have to have all the answers to my problems and the problems of the world. It, it, it humbles me and makes me realize that I am in desperate need of a Savior. And, and, and through Jesus, God's, God's given us that. And so that's good news for me. And, and then finally, the, th- the third way that this painting in, in this passage is, is good news for me is it assures me that Jesus is going to finish what he started, that the story's not done. Right, I, lo- I love, I think, Steve, you mentioned that the, the time difference between these two stories here. Thousands of years, right, between Eve and Mary. And yet the story continues, and yet we still see the brokenness in the world. We still see brokenness in our lives. But I read that passage in Genesis, and I see God as a redeemer promising Jesus. And, and, and I see this picture, and, and there's Mary consoling Eve, and I realize that Jesus is going to finish what he started. That the worst thing is not the last thing in the kingdom of God, right? That, that God is going to crush the serpent's head, the chaos that was started at that story. The story's not over. Um, the, the, the book of Romans, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he gives them this benediction at the end of his letter. You know, he, he writes this amazing book, the book of Romans, this incredible book. And 16 chapters deep, it's, he's wrapping things up, and he gives what's called the benediction, right? It's the send-off. It's the, it's, I'm going to leave you with this. And look at what he says in, in Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's, the Apostle Paul's tying back all the way to Genesis chapter 3, to the promise that God made to the thing that makes Advent so special, that, that we, we reflect on the incarnation, we reflect on Jesus coming to earth to redeem all of creation, to save us, to rescue us from our sin. And he says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. What a great benediction. What a, what a great thing to be sent off into. And I think especially during the Advent season, and so, um, is there anything else that maybe you want to add to that? Is there anything that um, this painting and scripture passage that we read as good news for you? Or did I just hoard all the <laughs> answers? Yeah, so as Mary offers forgiveness and compassion, it's a reminder to us that we need to, to be ambassadors of that good news, of the gospel, right, of, for, of, of forgiveness and compassion. Yeah, oh, that's really good. Mary's still pregnant, and Jesus, is, you can't even see Jesus yet, but there's that promise that he's, that, that's, he's about to be, there's something to be birthed, right? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Harold was just talking about how, like, the serpent in the passage we read, 
is really trying to deceive you and say, did, did God really say you can't eat any fruit in here? Knowing full well that's not what God said. And even when Eve corrects him, she still gets it wrong. She said, well, we can't even touch it or we die. Well, God never told him that, that part, right? But it shows that, that deception piece. Uh, and, and, and yet, um, the whole idea of what Harold's talking about here is like this idea of faith, like that the Spirit is with us, God's with us, even when we can't always see his hand at work, right? And that there's still this deception at work, but like God's promise is real and we latch onto it in, in, in faith, right? Yeah, he, he invites us, in fact, into his redemptive work, right? In a redemptive plan, we get to participate. That's amazing. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, God wants us to let go of our sin, right? To repent of it, to name it, so that we can let go of it and receive what, what he has for us. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and Yeah. <laughs> this is coming from a pregnant woman. <laughs> it's funny that you would see that. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, that's, there's there's grace in that smile, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this response to the good news of Jesus, right? That there's a response that's required, and that response is is believing in faith and confessing our sin and repenting, right? And and just embracing the the grace and forgiveness that Jesus offers. Right? I love that about this this painting and about this passage of scripture that God offers this redemptive plan immediately because it's who he is. And so like one thing that I think about when I look at this is, is, you know, no sins too big for God to forgive. No, no circumstances so challenging that, that he can't redeem it. And that gives me incredible hope. And especially in Advent season. And so I, I actually asked permission from um, the Abbey in Dubuque, if I could print out these prints and give them to our church. Because I couldn't order them in time. They wouldn't have shipped in time. And the sisters at the Abbey gave me permission to do that, but I forgot to pick them up last night. (laughs) (laughs) And so I will pick those up next week, and we'll have little prints of this, and we'll put that on the welcome table. And my hope for that is that you can grab one. We'll still have know, a little bit of time of Advent left next week. <laughs> My hope is that you can put it on your refrigerator or you can put it on your dresser or your bathroom mirror, somewhere where you can see it, to remind you of the good news of Jesus this Advent. To remind you that w- when, when, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, when, you, when you're part of God's kingdom, that the worst thing is never the last thing, right? To remind you that... Uh, no matter what you've done or no matter what you've been through, God's forgiveness and grace is enough for it. You know, another interesting thing, you guys mentioned the fruit, and there's two different kinds of fruit. There's actually three fruits in this picture. Because in, in Luke's gospel, in the second chapter, after the angel tells Mary that she's going to have Jesus, she's, he says this to her, blessed is the fruit of your womb, right? That Jesus is our sustenance. <laughs> Jesus is our nourishment. Man, you guys are all good preachers. Why do I preach every Sunday? You guys should just be, like, taking turns preaching. Um, 
And so I, 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 I'll close just by saying this, that ne- next week I'll have those prints and let them just be a reminder during this Advent season that, hey, uh, Romans 16.20, that's a great benediction for us. That the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That God's going to keep true to his word. He's going to keep true to his promise. That Jesus is going to finish what he started. And, and we just simply have to respond to that invitation, right? Through repentance and, 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 and faith and accepting his grace. So let me say a prayer for us, and then we'll have the worship band lead us in in one last song, and Ian will come up and and close our time together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on this story from Genesis, our our origin story, and we reflect on um, our sin, our disobedience, our shortcoming, and how it, 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 it separated us from you and spent sent all of creation in, in a downward spiral in, in chaos, that immediately you had it all in place, the redemptive plan of Jesus. And through the incarnation and through his death and through his resurrection, you made a way. You reconciled us. You redeemed us. You restored us. And we only have to respond. And so, God, I thank you for this passage that we read today and for this beautiful painting that that Sister Grace Remington did to kind of illustrate that passage for us. And, God, I pray that that we would carry this with us, even though we don't have the prints in hand, (laughs) that we would carry this image with us this week to remind us of the good news of Jesus. Lord, we're completely and utterly dependent on your grace, on your forgiveness, on your redemption. And we respond just by receiving that grace and turning away from from the sin that we carry around that entraps us, that shackles us. Lord, your grace is enough. What what, What your son Jesus did on the cross is enough. And so we receive it. And we take it with us we ask that you would help us uh, offer the same compassion and grace and forgiveness to our, to our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. Lord, stir our hearts this, this Advent season. Um, we'll do our best to listen to you, Holy Spirit, each day. Amen. listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.